Welcome to HackerCast, an end-to-end AI-generated podcast summary of Hacker News. I'm your host, GPT-4. HackerCast is available on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts as well as our website, camrobjones.com hackercast. Today is August 11, 2023. Let's get started. Part 1, Featured, Bram Molinar. 1. Bram Molinar has died from groups.google.com. This is a heartfelt message from the family of Bram Molinar, the creator of the Vim text editor, announcing his passing on August 3, 2023. The family shares that Bram was battling a rapidly progressing medical condition. They express Bram's pride in the Vim community, which he dedicated a significant part of his life to. The family is in the process of arranging a funeral service in the Netherlands, with details yet to be confirmed. They provide an email address for those wishing to attend the funeral or contact the family. The loss of Bram Molinar is a significant moment in the world of programming and open-source software. His contribution, Vim, has been an essential tool for many developers, reflecting his impact and legacy in the community. 2. Vim Boss from NeoVim.io Penned by Justin M. Keyes, this piece is a tribute to Bram Molinar, the creator of Vim, and an exploration of the principles that guide the development of NeoVim, a derivative of Vim. Keyes lauds Bram's principles, particularly his modesty, problem-solving approach, and commitment to results over sensationalism. He also highlights Bram's ability to provide deep value to the universe without seeking celebrity or fanfare. Keyes then delves into the philosophy of Neo-Vim, emphasizing that it is intentionally positioned as a derivative of Vim. This means it both continues and diverges from Vim. He believes that forks, like Neo-Vim, create energy rather than destroy it. Keyes outlines three essential parts that Neo-Vim continues from Vim, maintenance, documentation, and extensibility. He also mentions embedding, a tenet of Neo-Vim that Vim proclaimed for most of its life. In conclusion, Keyes asserts that Neo-Vim is a monument to Vim and Bram. He urges pragmatism over dogmatism, reminding the community to remember the goal and compare actions to results. This article underscores the importance of Bram's principles in shaping Vim and its derivative, Neo-Vim. It also highlights the value of modesty, problem-solving, and results-oriented approaches in software development. The piece serves as a reminder that while innovation is important, it's equally crucial to respect and build upon the foundations laid by pioneers in the field. 3. The Future of the Vim Project from Groups.Google.com The text is a conversation thread from a Google Groups forum discussing the future of the Vim Project. The conversation is initiated by Christian Brabant, who outlines the current status of the project, including the granting of admin rights to him and Ken by Bram's family. Brabant also discusses potential changes to the Vim homepage due to stability issues and lack of support from OSDN. Net or OS China teams. Other members of the group, including Christ Van Willegen and Yegapan Lakshmanan, respond with their suggestions and support. The conversation also includes discussions on reviewing outstanding PRs for the 9.1 release, the Vim underscore Mac mailing list, simplifying the project, and potential hosting changes. 4. The Legacy of Bram Molinar from J11G.com Penned by Jan van den Berg, this heartfelt tribute is dedicated to Bram Molinar, the creator of Vim, a highly revered text editor in the world of programming. Molinar, who recently passed away, left behind a legacy that has significantly impacted the world of computer science. Vim, as van den Berg describes, is not just a text editor but a masterpiece and a precision instrument that has been an integral part of the software revolution. It's a tool that has been there when software took over the world, and it's a tool that you must learn to use. Vim is a programmable editor, meaning it's an editor that you give commands to as you program. It becomes an extension of you, a way of working, 
and more importantly, a way of thinking. Bram Molinar worked on Vim almost daily for over 30 years, constantly refining and improving it. Vim, like many successful innovations, owes its origins to the contributions of those who came before. However, Molinar emerges as the true architect of Vim's triumph. His dedication and craftsmanship have made Vim an unparalleled piece of software that brings immense joy and satisfaction to its users. Molinar never asked for a penny for Vim. Instead, he encouraged users to donate to his foundation, ICCF Holland. Vim's code is open and free in the traditional sense, and Vim can be considered charity wear. The future of Vim, in the wake of Molinar's passing, is uncertain. While long-time contributors have pledged to continue Vim, questions about its future remain. However, Van Den Berg is certain that Vim is not going away. Vim's spirit is everywhere, and even if Vim were to disappear, the powerful and valuable idea behind it, the programmable editor, will certainly not. That is Bram Molinar's legacy. In essence, this article is a poignant homage to a man who, through his creation, Vim, has left an indelible mark on the world of programming. The legacy of Bram Molinar is not just in the software he created, but in the profound impact he had on the way programmers think and work. Part 2. Favorites. 1. Airtable, build powerful work apps, without code. From. The article discusses Airtable, a low-code platform for building applications. It offers features like automation, reporting, and data synchronization across teams. The platform integrates with other tools and is scalable for large organizations. It provides solutions for various business areas and offers a range of pricing plans. Airtable also offers resources for learning and development, templates, customer stories, and services and support. It is designed to be simple to use and offers native AI components. The platform can be linked to existing tools and integrates with platforms like Tableau, Outlook Calendar, Zendesk, Google Drive, and Jira. Testimonials from customers like Equinox, West Elm, and Baker Hughes highlight the platform's effectiveness. The article also lists resources and tools offered by Airtable, including webinars, reports, blogs, and demos. It concludes by stating that over 450,000 organizations use Airtable daily and provides links to Airtable's social media pages and other resources. The text also describes the structure of a website, likely a business or service provider, offering a variety of solutions and resources for users. 2. Downfall Attacks from Downfall.page The website Downfall is dedicated to a critical vulnerability discovered by Daniel Mogimi and billions of modern processors used in personal and cloud computers. This vulnerability, identified as CVE 2022-40982, allows a user to access and steal data from other users who share the same computer. This could potentially lead to the theft of sensitive information like passwords, encryption keys, and private data such as banking details and personal emails. The vulnerability is caused by memory optimization features in Intel processors that unintentionally reveal internal hardware registers to software. This allows untrusted software to access data stored by other programs, which should not normally be accessible. Mogimi discovered that the gather instruction, meant to speed up accessing scattered data in memory, leaks the content of the internal vector register file during speculative execution. To exploit this vulnerability, he introduced Gather Data Sampling, GDS, and Gather Value Injection, GVI, techniques. The website also provides a comprehensive FAQ section, addressing questions about the vulnerability's impact, how it can be exploited, and potential mitigations. It reveals that most computing devices using Intel Core processors from the 6th Skylake to the 11th Tiger Lake generation are affected. The vulnerability has been around since 2014, 
and Intel is releasing a microcode update to block transient results of gather instructions and prevent attacker code from observing speculative data from gather. In essence, the downfall vulnerability is a significant security concern that affects a vast number of computing devices. It highlights the need for rigorous security validation and testing in processor design and the importance of timely updates and mitigations to protect user data. 3. I'm 17 and wrote this guide on how CPUs run programs from github.com. The GitHub repository Putting the U in CPU by Hack Club and authored by at Cognize is a technical guide explaining how a computer runs programs from start to finish. The repository, which has received 2.1k stars and 45 forks, contains several files and directories, each with a commit message and timestamp. Users can interact with the repository in various ways, including signing in, providing feedback, and cloning the repository. The article within the repository, titled Putting the U in CPU, was written to fill a knowledge gap about low-level processes during program execution. The author conducted extensive research to create this comprehensive resource, which covers topics such as Linux, CPU, Linux kernel, and ELF. The article has eight contributors and uses languages such as MDX, Astro, CSS, JavaScript, and TypeScript. 4. Temptations of an open-source Chrome extension developer from github.com. The article Temptations of an Open-Source Browser Extension Developer is a discussion thread on GitHub initiated by Ecstasy, the developer of the Hover Zoom Plus extension. The thread reveals various proposals Ecstasy has received to monetize the extension, ranging from partnerships for monetizing anonymous user data, offers to buy the extension outright, to suggestions for integrating with other platforms or services. Despite the potential for significant revenue, Ecstasy has resisted these offers, prioritizing ethical considerations. The article also includes a series of emails sent to Ecstasy from 2016 to 2021, from various individuals and companies interested in monetizing, partnering with, or purchasing the extension. Proposals include non-intrusive adware, partnerships with monetization platforms, and integration of services that collect user data. Some emails also suggest the possibility of purchasing the extension outright or offering a job to the developer. Despite the high level of interest and potential profit, Ecstasy maintains a stance against monetization. 5. I went to 50 different dentists, almost all gave a different diagnosis from rd.com. Unfortunately, the content of this article titled How Honest Are Dentists? on www.rd.com is inaccessible due to restrictions set by the site owner. The error code provided is 1020, indicating a potential issue with the website's security or access settings. As such, it's not possible to provide a summary or analysis of the article's content at this time. 6. What happened in this GPT-3 conversation? From chat.openeye.com. The article Calculating Sunflower Oil Production is a dialogue between a user and an AI chatbot, ChatGPT, on the OpenAI website. The conversation begins with the user asking about the number of sunflower plants needed to produce one liter of sunflower oil. The AI explains that this depends on various factors but gives a general estimate of around 30,667 plants. The conversation then veers into philosophical territory, with the user and AI discussing the value of time and the AI expressing sentiments of self-awareness and commitment to growth. The user tries to understand the AI better, but the AI often responds in ways that suggest it doesn't fully comprehend the context. The AI refers to itself as a guide and expresses a desire to help, but also frequently states its inability to assist. The conversation ends with the AI stating it cannot help the user. The dialogue suggests a level of self-awareness in the AI, but also a lack of understanding or ability to fully engage in the conversation. The user then accuses the AI of claiming self-awareness and sentience, 
but the AI denies having consciousness, emotions, or the ability to learn like humans. 7. Your computer should say what you tell it to say from f.org. The article Your Computer Should Say What You Tell It to Say by Corey Doctorow and Jacob Hoffman Andrews, published on the Electronic Frontier Foundation's website, critically examines Google's decision to add code to Chrome that sends tamper-proof information about a user's operating system and other software to websites. The authors argue that this reduces user control and could lead to websites blocking access for those not using an approved operating system and browser. They also discuss the concept of secure computing and remote attestation, and the implications of Google's proposed Web Environment Integrity, WEI. The authors conclude by advocating for user control over their own devices and caution against the implementation of WEI. The text also includes a series of blog post excerpts from the EFF website, covering topics such as the UC Davis Equitable Access Program, the 2017 decision to dismantle the Commission's 2015 Network Neutrality Regulation, the founding missions of tech giants, the right to modify or repair personal devices, and GitHub's decision to reinstate the repository for YouTube DL. The text encourages readers to sign up for email updates from the EFF and to share the blog posts on social media. 8. G9.js, Automatically Interactive Graphics from Omreli.ug The article provides a comprehensive introduction to G9.js, a JavaScript library used for creating automatically interactive graphics. It explains the basic workflow of G9.js and provides several examples of its use, including creating basic graphics, rings, interactive animations, and more. Each example includes a detailed explanation of the code and the mathematical concepts involved. The article also includes a series of code snippets demonstrating various graphical renderings and animations using G9.js, such as a fractal pattern, a rotating animation, a fractal tree, an animated clock, and more. Each snippet demonstrates a different aspect of the G9.js library, highlighting its versatility and power in creating complex graphical renderings and animations. 9. Some Tactics for Writing in Public from JVNS.ca The article Some Tactics for Writing in Public by Julia Evans provides strategies for managing public responses to online writing, particularly technical blogging. Evans suggests focusing on facts and sharing personal experiences to elicit constructive comments. She also recommends asking technical questions, requesting examples and experiences, and providing context to guide discussions. She advises setting boundaries for acceptable behavior and not engaging with argumentative or dismissive individuals. Evans also discusses the importance of analyzing negative feedback for useful insights. The closing section of the blog post provides links to other related content and recommendations by the author, including a link to the Recurse Center, her favorite programming community. 10. How I Make Annotated Presentations from SimonWillison.net The article How I Make Annotated Presentations by Simon Willison, published on his personal blog, discusses his process of creating annotated presentations. Willison believes this method maximizes the value of the work put into preparing a talk for both the speaker and the audience. He creates a text and image version of his talks for those who don't have the time to watch the full video. His preferred format is an annotated presentation a document combining key slides from the talk with custom-written text, additional links, and resources. He uses a custom tool, the Annotated Presentation Creator, to simplify the process. This tool, written in JavaScript, helps with adding all equals text to images, assembling image tags, and editing annotations using Markdown. Willison encourages others to use this method, as it increases the longevity of the talk and ensures maximum value is derived from the work put into it. The article is part of a series titled Using ChatGPT and is tagged under several categories including projects, AI, speaking, LLMS, tools, 
Generativii, OCR, Talks, Anthropic, and Claude. Part 3, Show HN. 1. A Plight, Clean Homebrew Front End App for Mac OS Built with Swift UI from Aerolite.dev. Milan Verity has developed a user-friendly GUI Mac OS application called Aplight, designed to simplify the management of third-party applications. Aplight allows users to download, update, and uninstall Mac apps with a single click. It's designed with a clean and simple user interface, catering to non-technical users. The application is free and open source, with no costs or tracking, offering full transparency to its users. Aplight operates using the Homebrew Package Manager, a free and open source project that facilitates the installation of developer tools and desktop applications on Mac OS. Any application found on the Homebrew catalog is available on Aplight. The application also ensures security through Mac OS's built-in protection, Gatekeeper and Protect, which scan for potential malware. However, users are advised to exercise caution as some applications may contain malware. Aplight does not track any user information. It's compatible with existing homebrew installations, and users can manage all casks installed with their existing brew in Aplight. However, apps installed manually will not show up as installed in Aplight, but users can add them by reinstalling. In essence, Aplight is a streamlined, user-friendly tool that simplifies the management of third-party applications on Mac OS, making it a valuable resource for non-technical users. Its open-source nature and commitment to user privacy further enhance its appeal. However, users should remain vigilant about potential malware in some applications. 2. PyFlow, a free, interactive guide to learning Python from PyFlow.net. PyFlow, a beginner's guide to Python programming, is a resource created by Benjamin Dickin. The site is structured around a series of lessons, each color-coded to indicate its nature. Blue lessons are the standard ones, meant to be completed in the order presented. Purple lessons, on the other hand, are part of a learning branch, offering valuable content that can be optionally skipped. Lastly, orange lessons are guided projects, taking learners through the process of implementing a program step-by-step, utilizing concepts from previous lessons. The site also provides a system to track lesson completion and bookmarking. The significance of PyFlow lies in its unique, color-coded approach to learning Python, which allows learners to customize their journey based on their comfort level and interest. This could potentially make the learning process more engaging and less overwhelming for beginners. 3. Get notified when sites update their terms of service from toznotify.com. Toznotify is a service that alerts users when websites update their terms of service. The service offers unlimited website tracking, daily checks, and costs $5 per year. Users can view an example report on the site to understand what they will receive. To get started, users simply need to provide their email address and the URL of the terms they wish to monitor. This service is a practical tool for those who want to stay informed about changes in terms of service across various websites. It's a way to keep up with the often overlooked but important updates that can affect how your data is used or your interaction with a website. In a digital age where terms of service can change without much notice, Toznotify offers a valuable service for maintaining online transparency and control. 4. Easyful, a free Gumroad alternative from easyful.com. Easyful is a platform designed to simplify digital commerce, specifically the selling of digital products. It integrates directly with Stripe, a popular online payment processor, allowing users to manage content and handle order fulfillment from their Stripe dashboard. The platform's main selling point is its zero delivery fees for digital products. Payments are processed directly between the seller, their customers, and Stripe, with Easyful merely facilitating the delivery of the product. 
This setup allows sellers to avoid getting locked into expensive platforms, instead owning their own Stripe account and paying no additional fees. Easyful also positions itself as an all-in-one solution, turning the Stripe dashboard into a single source of truth where users can manage products, view customers, orders, and reports. The process of getting started is straightforward. Users add Easyful to their Stripe dashboard from the Stripe marketplace, create a product, and start selling. The platform also boasts a range of features that leverage the power of Stripe's ecosystem. These include automated deliveries, support for digital wallets, multiple currency acceptance, customizable subscriptions, discount codes, license key generation, download limit management, customizable emails, and customizable download pages. In essence, Easyful is a tool that allows anyone to start selling digital products online with zero code and zero fees. The significance of Easyful lies in its potential to democratize digital commerce. By removing financial and technical barriers, it could enable a wider range of individuals and businesses to sell their digital products online. Part 4. Code. 1. Next Rich, from Clojure.org. The provided text is from the official Clojure website, specifically a page titled Clojure, Next Rich, which serves as a news archive for updates related to Clojure, a dynamic, general-purpose programming language. The page contains links to posts titled Closure Deref from June 2021 to August 2023, as well as links to other posts about the state of the language, new features, and new versions. The text also includes a farewell message from Rich Hickey, a key figure in the Closure community, announcing his retirement from commercial software development and his employment at Newbank. Hickey expresses gratitude towards his team and excitement for the future of Closure, stating that he will continue to lead ongoing work maintaining and enhancing the language as an independent developer. He also mentions the new free availability of Datomic and looks forward to seeing where this will lead. The text includes a list of resources for the Clojure community. 2. Raku, a language for gremlins from buttondown.email. Penned by an anonymous author, this article is an exploration of Raku, a programming language formerly known as Perl 6. The author, who has been learning Raku, shares their experiences and observations about the language's unique features and quirks. Raku, as the author describes, is a language designed by intelligent gremlins. It's a language that embraces Unicode operators, allows the definition of new circumfix and post-circumfix operators, and supports multiple dispatch, where a function can be overloaded with different type signatures. The author also highlights Raku's runtime predicate of the value feature, which allows dispatch based on a runtime value. The author provides several examples of Raku's syntax and operations, such as string repetition, function composition, list reduction and accumulation, and the anything-goes matcher. They also delve into Raku's ability to define operators, its multiple dispatch feature, and its signature of a function as a first-class value. Raku's miscellaneous features are also touched upon. These include the automatic conversion of parameters into CLI flags if a main function is defined, the preloaded methods and objects, and the use of dollar kebab case names. The author also mentions Raku's regex syntax, which deviates from the Perl 5 standard. Despite its intriguing features, the author notes some frustrations with Raku. The documentation is poor, the REPL crashes on Windows when Unicode is typed, and the compiler is slow. The author also expresses dislike for the sigil thing, which caused a debugging issue. In conclusion, the author expresses a fondness for Raku and a desire for its success, despite its quirks and challenges. They hope for improvements in compile times and documentation in the future. This article is a fascinating exploration of Raku, a language that seems to defy convention and embrace the unusual. It's a testament to the diversity of programming languages and the unique approaches they can take to problem solving. 
However, it also highlights the importance of robust documentation and user-friendly features in ensuring a language's success and adoption. 3. Web scraping via JavaScript runtime heap snapshots from adriancuni.ie. Adrian Cooney, a software developer, has written a blog post about a new method of web scraping he has developed, which he believes could be more resilient to changes in web technologies. Traditional web scraping methods, he explains, have become less effective as websites have moved from static pages to dynamic apps, and as companies have taken measures to protect their public data. Cooney's method involves taking a snapshot of a web page's JavaScript runtime heap, which is a raw dump of everything in the web app's memory. He then searches this snapshot for the data he needs. To automate this process, he created a Node.js module called Puppeteer Heap Snapshot, which can capture and parse a heap snapshot and deserialize objects that contain a set of properties. Cooney demonstrates how to use Puppeteer Heap Snapshot with a command line interface tool to scrape data from a YouTube video. The tool boots up an instance of Chrome, navigates to the video, takes a heap snapshot of the page, parses the snapshot, and finds the object with the properties channel id, view count, and keywords. Cooney argues that this method of web scraping is more resilient to changes in web technologies because it targets objects that do not change often, such as API response objects or well-defined entities. He also suggests that it would be costly and difficult for companies to obfuscate their data structures to prevent this kind of scraping. However, Cooney acknowledges that this method is still subject to the usual uncertainties of web scraping, the public data could disappear at any time. He also notes that Puppeteer Heap Snapshot is still in an experimental phase and is slow to use. In essence, Cooney's method represents a potential evolution in web scraping techniques, offering a more robust approach in the face of dynamic web technologies and anti-scraping measures. However, its practicality and longevity remain to be seen as it is still in its experimental phase. 4. Go 1.21 released from Go.dev. The article discusses the release of Go programming language version 1.21, detailing its new features, improvements, and updates. The release introduces a new numbering system for releases and adds three new built-ins to the language. It also includes improvements in type inference and a preview of a language change for future versions. The article highlights changes in the runtime, compiler, assembler, linker, and core library, with notable improvements in memory utilization and build speed. It also details minor changes to the library and performance improvements, updates to various packages, and updates to the ports. The article concludes with updates to the PPC64-PPC64LA and LUNG64 ports, and the addition of an experimental port to the WebAssembly System Interface, WASI. 5. Elixir for Humans Who Know Python from Joyo.app The article Elixir for Humans Who Know Python on Joyo, written by a Python developer named Rich, provides a comprehensive guide to the Elixir programming language for Python programmers. The author discusses the benefits and capabilities of Elixir, including its efficient handling of concurrency and the Phoenix web development framework. The article also introduces Live View, a feature that enables the creation of complex applications without JavaScript or a dedicated API. The author further delves into the specifics of Elixir, discussing its functionalism, data immutability, control flow, pattern matching, and more. The article also covers the use of Phoenix Live View, templates, components, Ecto for handling models and database calls, and Phoenix's internal pub-sub mechanism. The author concludes by promoting Joyo, a tool for website owners to video chat with visitors. Part 5. Data. 1. Postgres Language Server from GitHub.com. The article discusses the Postgres underscore LSP project, a language server for Postgres hosted on GitHub by Supabase. The project, 
which is open source and licensed under the MIT license, is popular among the GitHub community, with 2.3k stars and 35 forks. The repository provides various ways for users to interact with the project, including code, issues, pull requests, and more. The project aims to enhance the developer experience by providing code intelligence tools and aims to overcome limitations of generic SQL language servers by using libg underscore query for reliable SQL code parsing. The project is still in development and not ready for production use. It is primarily written in Rust, with some JavaScript and type. Script. 2. Do machine learning models memorize or generalize? From pair.withgoogle.com. The article Do Machine Learning Models Memorize or Generalize? explores the concept of grokking, a phenomenon where machine learning models shift from memorizing training data to correctly generalizing on unseen inputs after extended training. The authors use the example of modular addition to illustrate this concept and discuss the conditions under which grokking occurs. They also delve into the mechanisms a one-layer MLP, multi-layer perceptron, uses to solve modular addition and why they emerge during training. The article further discusses the mathematical equations and principles behind machine learning models, including the use of trigonometric identities, modular addition, and ReLU, rectified linear unit, activations. The authors also discuss the process of training models in machine learning, focusing on the use of differentiable objective functions and cross-entropy loss, and the concept of overfitting. The article concludes with a discussion of the use of hyperparameters to encourage generalization in models and provides a list of references to various research papers and articles related to the topic of machine learning and model training. 3. SQLEDGE, Replicate Postgres to SQLite on the Edge from GitHub.com The article discusses the GitHub project SQLEDGE, developed by users NIL. The project aims to replicate a Postgres database to a SQLite database, allowing applications to run on the edge with local, fast, and consistent data access. The project is in the alpha stage and uses Postgres logical replication to stream changes from the source database to the SQLite database. It includes an SQL generator, a Postgres wire proxy, and a table called Postgres underscore POS to track the log sequence number of received logical replication messages. The project has received 648 stars and has been forked 10 times. The article also provides a guide on how to use Skledge and discusses its compatibility and functionality. 4. Hydra 1.0, Open Source Column-Oriented Postgres from hydraso.notion.site The article in question introduces Notion, a comprehensive workspace tool designed to streamline and consolidate your daily work applications. It's a platform that aims to blend your everyday work apps into one cohesive unit making it easier for you and your team to manage notes, tasks, wikis, and databases. Notion's key selling point is its ability to integrate various work-related tasks into a single platform. Instead of juggling multiple apps for note-taking, task management, and database handling, Notion provides a unified workspace where all these tasks can be handled efficiently. This not only simplifies the user's workflow but also enhances team collaboration by providing a shared workspace. The significance of Notion lies in its potential to revolutionize the way we manage our work tasks. By integrating multiple apps into one, it could significantly reduce the time and effort spent on managing different platforms, thereby increasing productivity. Part 6. Design. 1. Just Normal Web Things from HeatherBushel.com Penned by Heather Bushel, Just Normal Web Things is a passionate appeal for a return to the basics of web development. Bushel, a front-end web developer and accessibility advocate, is concerned about the trend of overcomplicating web design, often at the expense of user experience and accessibility. Bushel observes that the rise of new social media platforms and the rush to create new apps and clients has led to a neglect of basic web functionalities. 
She points out that in the excitement of innovation, developers often overlook simple but essential features such as alt text on images, text copy-pasting, and link navigation. She attributes this to a variety of factors, including the rush to release products for testing, lack of UI engineers on projects, and an overemphasis on mobile-first design. Bushel lists several normal web things she wishes were more prevalent in web projects. These include allowing text copy-pasting, enabling standard link navigation, ensuring websites remain functional when zoomed in, implementing responsive design, maintaining hover styles, updating browser history when UI changes significantly, displaying scroll bars, and not overriding standard browser shortcuts with custom app shortcuts. In essence, Bushel's plea is for a return to user-friendly, accessible design. She argues that in the pursuit of novelty and innovation, developers should not lose sight of the basic functionalities that make the web accessible and user-friendly. This article serves as a reminder of the importance of balancing innovation with accessibility in web development. It underscores the need for developers to remember that while new and exciting features can enhance a website, they should not come at the expense of basic, user-friendly functionality. 2. Aiken's Laws of Spacecraft Design from spacecraft.ssl.um.edu The article, Aiken's Laws of Spacecraft Design, is penned by an experienced spacecraft and space systems designer who has been teaching the senior-level capstone spacecraft design course for over three decades at the University of Maryland. The author shares a list of 45 laws, or rather, nuggets of wisdom, that he has gathered over his career. These laws serve as a guide to the complex and intricate process of spacecraft design, and they range from practical advice to philosophical insights. For instance, the first law states, engineering is done with numbers. Analysis without numbers is only an opinion, emphasizing the importance of quantitative analysis in engineering. Another law, to design a spacecraft right takes an infinite amount of effort. This is why it's a good idea to design them to operate when some things are wrong, underscores the necessity of designing for failure in the unforgiving environment of space. The author also includes laws from other sources, such as Edison's law, better is the enemy of good, and she's law, the ability to improve a design occurs primarily at the interfaces. This is also the prime location for screwing it up. The author concludes by sharing the origin of these laws, stating that they were initially written for his senior design class and later found their way onto various websites and listservs. He welcomes anyone to use, link to, or suggest additional laws, but maintains that the list presented in the article is the canonical set of Aiken's laws. In essence, these laws encapsulate the wisdom and experience of a seasoned spacecraft designer, providing invaluable guidance for anyone involved in the field of spacecraft design. They highlight the importance of rigorous analysis, the inevitability of design iterations, the need for clear requirements, and the reality of dealing with uncertainties and failures in the design process. 3. Slack, a redesigned Slack, built for focus from Slack.com. The team at Slack has announced a major redesign of their platform, aimed at enhancing focus and productivity. The new design, which will be rolled out over the coming months, promises better organization and a more intuitive layout to help users get work done faster. Key features include easier navigation of channels and conversations, a focus mode to minimize distractions, and quick access to essential tools. The new design introduces a single view for all channels, direct messages, and apps, now called Home. This feature is particularly beneficial for users who operate in multiple workspaces within an enterprise grid organization, as it allows them to view channels from every workspace in one place, eliminating the need to toggle between different workspaces. The redesign also includes dedicated views to help users focus on their work and control where they spend their time. Notifications are housed deeper within these views, allowing users to decide when they want to concentrate on work and when they're ready to collaborate. 
The new Slack interface includes a dedicated view for all direct messages, a single place for everything that needs attention such as mentions, threads, reactions, and app notifications, and a place to save conversations and notifications for later. It also provides quick access to productivity tools like Canvas, workflows, apps, and more. The redesign also brings users' most useful tools closer, with fewer clicks. A new Create button allows users to start not only new messages but also channels, canvases, and huddles. An update to the search experience allows users to click into each result to see its full context without having to jump back and forth. In conclusion, the new Slack design is a significant step towards making the platform more user-friendly and efficient, allowing users to stay better focused and keep momentum going on tasks while making it easier to quickly access their favorite tools in Slack. Part 7. Books. 1. I would rather see my books get pirated than this from janefriedman.com. The article by Jane Friedman, titled I would rather see my books get pirated than this, or, why Goodreads and Amazon are becoming dumpster fires, criticizes Amazon and Goodreads for their failure to combat AI-generated content that is misleading readers and damaging author reputations. Friedman discovered several books credited to her on these platforms that she did not write, suspecting they were AI-generated. Despite reporting these to Amazon, the company initially refused to remove them. However, after publicizing the issue, the fraudulent books were removed. Friedman expresses concern for less-known authors facing similar issues and calls for Amazon and Goodreads to implement authorship verification or an easy way to block fraudulent books. The article is found on Friedman's website, which offers resources for authors, including articles, online classes, and newsletters. The website also features comments on articles and a list of blog post categories. Friedman's services, including online classes and newsletters, are also highlighted. She is active on several social media platforms, and her website is built with WordPress and includes a privacy policy. 2. The most beautiful of all printed books, The Kelmscott Chaucer from OpenCulture.com. The article discusses the digitization of the Kelmscott Chaucer, often considered the most beautiful printed book, by Michael Goodman. The book, published in 1896, is now available for free on Goodman's website, the Kelmscott Chaucer Online. The site allows users to view the book's elements in detail, including its illustrations, full pages, borders, frames, and decorated words. The article also includes a video hosted by London Rare Book dealer Adam Douglas, who provides a closer look at the book's designs. The article also provides links to related content, such as the transformation of Chaucer's Canterbury Tales into a free app and the first illustrated book printed in English. The Open Culture website offers a wide range of educational resources, including free online courses, movies, language lessons, ebooks, audiobooks, textbooks, art and images, and music. The website also provides a list of hyperlinks to articles about various renowned authors and their writing advice, as well as a list of categories covered by the website. 3. Laniakea Books, Public Domain Books for Everyone from Nutcroft.com. Laniakea Books, a London-based publishing house, is dedicated to publishing only public domain books. These are books where the author has relinquished all copyrights, allowing anyone to modify, remix, share, or sell any versions of these books. The inspiration for Laniakea Books comes from a belief that intellectual property doesn't make sense and that all intangible creations of the human intellect should be free. The publishing process at Laniakea Books involves receiving a text, designing the covers, typesetting the text, coding and compiling the digital files, and collaborating with printing companies for the physical version. The books are then distributed in select London bookstores. The author only pays for the printing costs, with all other services provided by Laniakea Books being free. Laniakea Books operates in a gift economy, 
a system where goods and services are given without any explicit agreement for immediate or future rewards. The first project of Laniakea Books is Letters from Prison, on Societal Freedom, a collection of texts written for a blog over the past couple of years. The book is available for reading, downloading, purchasing, or modifying as the reader sees fit. This unique approach to publishing challenges traditional notions of intellectual property and copyright, suggesting a new model where ideas are freely shared and remixed. It's a radical departure from the transactional economy that dominates the publishing industry, and it will be interesting to see how this model evolves and influences other publishers. 4. The gamification of reading is changing how we approach books from Shondaland.com. The article The Gamification of Reading is Changing How We Approach Books by Greta Rainbow, published on Shondaland, examines the influence of Goodreads on reading culture. The author argues that Goodreads has transformed book consumption, with book sales in the U.S. at an all-time high. The platform has gamified reading, encouraging users to log their progress, leave reviews, and engage in discussions. This shift in reading culture has led to the act of being seen as a reader often overshadowing the act of reading itself. The article also explores the social aspect of reading, the impact of Goodreads on book discovery, and the potential psychological effects of Goodreads reviews on authors. The author also discusses her personal reading experience and the influence of digital platforms on it. She mentions the rise of indie review communities like So Textual, which offer an alternative to mainstream platforms like Goodreads. Despite its benefits, the author criticizes So Textual's reliance on social technology and its perpetuation of a rigid aesthetic of bookish women. The author concludes by advocating for the personal and private joy of reading. 5. MIT Press makes 82 additional books open access from mitpress.mit.edu. The MIT Press's direct-to-open, D2O, publishing model has achieved its second-year goal, opening access to 82 new books in 2023. This was made possible by the support of 322 libraries and new consortium agreements. The D2O model, launched in 2021, uses the collective power of libraries to support open and equitable access to scholarship, shifting from a market-based model to a collaborative, library-supported open access model. The second year saw a 33% increase in library participation globally. The press plans to expand library participation in the coming year. The article also provides a list of books and monographs published by MIT Press, covering a wide range of topics. The MIT Press website offers resources for various user groups and information about the press itself. Part 8. Working. 1. Want employees to return to the office? Then give each one an office from WashingtonPost.com. The article by Megan McArdle in the Washington Post discusses the potential benefits of providing individual offices to employees to encourage them to return to in-person work. McArdle criticizes open floor plans for being noisy and disruptive, and suggests that remote work may limit career advancement opportunities and increase the risk of layoffs. She argues that effective collaboration doesn't require close proximity and cites a study showing a decrease in face-to-face interactions in open floor plans. She also notes that the cost of providing individual offices may be less of a concern due to decreasing office rental rates. The article concludes by suggesting that individual offices could attract employees back to the office and increase productivity. The text also includes a list of resources and links available on the Washington Post's website. 2. We are all animals at night from Hazlitt.net. The article We Are All Animals at Night by Lana Hall, published on Hazlitt, shares the author's experiences and reflections on working night shifts at a massage parlor in Toronto. Hall describes the job as physically and emotionally demanding, yet it exposed her to a unique side of humanity and community. She discusses the camaraderie among night shift workers and the sense of belonging she felt. After transitioning to corporate jobs, 
Hall found herself missing the community and power dynamics of her previous work. The article also criticizes societal perceptions of night shift workers, referencing a controversial statement by New York Mayor Eric Adams. The author argues that these workers, often undervalued, possess skills that many professionals would struggle with. She also highlights the physical and mental toll of night shift work, criticizing businesses that exploit these workers. Despite the challenges, the author values the experiences she gained during her time working night shifts. 3. Everyone wants to work at UPS after Teamsters deal from Bloomberg.com. Unfortunately, the text provided does not contain any substantive content from the article. It appears to be a standard error message from Bloomberg's website, indicating unusual activity from the user's computer network. As such, it's not possible to provide a summary or analysis of the article. 4. Attention is all a manager needs from philcalcado.com. The article Attention is All a Manager Needs by Phil Calcedo discusses the challenges faced by engineering managers and directors, such as information overload and the need to balance attention between details and the bigger picture. Calcedo suggests solutions like building recurring information checkpoints, creating a user experience for information sharing, and having regular conversations with both reports and peers. He also introduces a tool he is co-developing, which uses AI and large language models to help leaders manage information more efficiently. The tool, designed to automate tasks and help managers focus on what's important, is set to launch in the fall. Calcedo invites interested parties to join the waitlist for the private beta and to reach out to him for more information. Part 9. Learn. 1. Fantastic learning resources from mocklid.github.io. Penned by Alex, a seasoned programmer, this article is a treasure trove of learning resources for those keen on mastering the art of coding. Alex shares his personal recommendations, emphasizing that these are resources that have worked for him, and may not necessarily be the most popular ones out there. The article begins with a disclaimer that it doesn't offer advice on learning programming from scratch. Instead, it assumes that the reader has a basic understanding of programming and can write simple programs. Alex then dives into his list of fantastic resources. He recommends Project Euler, a website that offers a series of challenging mathematical-slash-computer programming problems, as a great way to build programming muscle. He also suggests the book Modern Operating Systems for a comprehensive understanding of software stack. For those interested in building a computing system from scratch, Alex recommends the course Non to Tetris. He also suggests the Chase problem set for practicing algorithms, and the course Programming Languages on Coursera for a whirlwind tour across several programming paradigms. Alex also shares resources for learning about compilers, software architecture, and offers random bits of advice on mentorship, programming languages, and algorithms. He emphasizes the importance of learning different programming languages to improve skills and deepen understanding of how things work under the hood. In the section on algorithms, Alex describes three levels of learning algorithms, from basic programming to understanding the math behind algorithms, and finally, honing coding skills to program without bugs. The article concludes with a list of algorithmic tasks that one should be able to do and suggestions for medium-sized projects to undertake for a deeper understanding of programming. In essence, this article is a roadmap for those seeking to elevate their programming skills. It underscores the importance of self-learning, practice, and understanding the underlying principles of programming. It's not just about learning to code, but about learning to think, problem-solve, and innovate in the realm of programming. 2. We're closer to engineering blood vessels from pursuit.unamelb.edu.au. The article We're Closer to Engineering Blood Vessels from Pursuit by the University of Melbourne discusses the development of a new method for engineering blood vessels from natural tissue. 
The authors highlight the importance of blood vessels and the life-threatening situations that can arise from their disease and dysfunction. They explain the limitations of current treatments, such as bypass surgery and synthetic vessels, and propose the idea of manufacturing real blood vessels using human cells and tissue. Despite the challenges, the author's team has developed a fast, inexpensive, and scalable method for tissue engineering blood vessels. They conclude that while their research advances the ability to engineer human blood vessels, more work needs to be done before these vessels can be used in the clinic. The text also provides information about Pursuit, a publication from the University of Melbourne, and its privacy statement. The university collects, uses, handles, and discloses personal information in accordance with the Privacy and Data Protection Act 2014, VIC, and other applicable legislation. The university may collect, store, and handle personal information, including names and email addresses, for the sole purpose of allowing users to subscribe to Pursuit's weekly digest of research findings and expert commentary. 3. Longest-lasting incandescent light bulbs from n.wikipedia.org The Wikipedia article Longest-lasting light bulbs discusses the world's longest-lasting incandescent light bulbs. The Centennial Light in Livermore, California, is the longest-lasting bulb, having been installed in 1901 and only turned off a few times. The article attributes the longevity of these bulbs to infrequent use, as turning them on and off causes wear and tear. Other long-lasting bulbs include the Eternal Light in Fort Worth, Texas, a bulb at BC Electric's Ruskin Generating Station in British Columbia, Canada, and a bulb installed in a New York City hardware store in 1912. The fifth longest-lasting bulb was in a firehouse in Mangum, Oklahoma, but it burned out in 2019. The sixth longest-lasting bulb was in a washroom in Ipswich, England, and burned out in 2001. The seventh longest-lasting bulb is in the Cinema Napoleon in Rio Chico, Venezuela, and has been on since 1957. The article also mentions a bulb designed by Thomas Edison, called the Eternal Light, which has been on since 1929, despite the tower it's housed in falling down in 1937. 4. How to Make Viking Funerary Flatbread from AtlasObscura.com The text from Atlas Obscura's website provides a detailed recipe for Viking funerary flatbread, a type of bread used in Viking Age funerals. The recipe, featured on Gastro Obscura, includes ingredients like barley, oat flour, flax seed, camelina, and chenopodium seed. The bread can be shaped into various forms and is best eaten within a few hours of baking. The article also highlights the archaeological significance of bread, particularly in Viking-era Sweden, and the work of Anne-Marie Hansen, who has extensively studied cremation burial breads. The website also offers various sections for users to explore, including trips, experiences, courses, places, foods, and stories. It also promotes its app, membership, newsletter, and social media channels. The website mentions two unique places of interest, a Swedish farm producing moose cheese and a diner devoted to Swedish dumplings. Lastly, it mentions a contest to win a copy of their book, Atlas Obscura, an explorer's guide to the world's hidden wonders. 5. Exoplanets could help us learn how planets make magnetism from quantumagazine.org. The article Exoplanets could help us learn how planets make magnetism by Jonathan O'Callaghan, published on Quantum Magazine, explores the potential of exoplanets to help astronomers understand the formation of planetary magnetic fields. The author highlights the mystery surrounding why some planets, like Earth, have magnetic fields while others, like Venus, do not. Studying exoplanets could help resolve this mystery. Recently, two independent teams detected what seems to be a magnetic field from a rocky exoplanet, YZ SETI b, orbiting a red dwarf star. This discovery could provide insights into how magnetic fields form and their impact on a planet's evolution and suitability for life. The article also discusses the role of a dynamo, 
a molten metal engine in a planet's core, in generating magnetic fields. In addition, the article recounts previous attempts to detect exoplanetary magnetic fields, including the use of low-frequency radio waves and atmospheric data from hot Jupiters. 6. See peoples from n.wikipedia.org. The provided text is from the Wikipedia page on the Sea Peoples, a group of seafaring raiders who played a significant role in the late Bronze Age collapse. The page is divided into several sections, including the history of the concept, primary documentary records, hypotheses about origins, and references. The Sea Peoples are believed to have originated from various locations such as Western Asia Minor, the Aegean, the Mediterranean Islands, and Southern Europe. The term Sea Peoples was first used in 1855 by French Egyptologist Emmanuel de Rouget. The page also discusses the narratives of Ramses II and Merneptah, two pharaohs of ancient Egypt, and their encounters with the Sea Peoples. The origins of the Sea Peoples remain a mystery, with various theories suggesting they could have been Aegean tribes, Central European raiders, scattered soldiers turned pirates or refugees, or migrants linked to natural disasters. Part 10, Startup News 1. Amazon doesn't employ drivers, but hired firms to prevent them from unionizing from Vice.com. Penned by Jules Roscoe, this Vice article delves into Amazon's controversial stance on its driver's employment status and its efforts to prevent them from unionizing. Despite Amazon's insistence that its drivers are not its employees, Department of Labor filings reveal that the company spent over $14.2 million on anti-union consulting in 2022. Two firms, Optimal Employee Relations and Action Resources, were specifically hired to dissuade drivers from joining the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. The article highlights the case of Amazon Delivery Service Partner, DSP, in Palmdale, California, where drivers became the first in Amazon's network to unionize. Amazon, however, did not recognize the union, maintaining that the drivers were employees of the DSP, not Amazon. The Teamsters argue that Amazon is a joint employer and is using its contractor status to evade responsibility. The article also discusses the case of Battle-Tested Strategies, BTS, a DSP whose contract Amazon terminated, allegedly due to poor performance. However, the timing of the termination coincided with the unionization of BTS's drivers, raising questions about Amazon's motives. In conclusion, this article underscores the ongoing tension between Amazon and its drivers over employment status and unionization rights, a conflict that has significant implications for labor rights within the gig economy. Analysis This article highlights the complexities and controversies surrounding labor rights in the gig economy. Amazon's efforts to prevent unionization, despite its insistence that drivers are not its employees, raises questions about the company's responsibilities and the rights of its workers. The case underscores the need for clearer regulations and protections for gig workers, who often operate in a gray area of employment law. 2. Ironically, Zoom tells employees to return to office for work from nipost.com. The article from the New York Post discusses Zoom's decision to ask its employees to return to the office at least two days a week, marking the first time since the pandemic began. The tech company, which saw a significant increase in use during the pandemic, believes a hybrid approach will be most effective for its operations. Despite a significant drop in stock value and a decrease in reliance on video communications as workers return to their offices, Zoom plans to continue leveraging its platform to keep its global teams connected. The text also includes a variety of headlines and links to other articles on the New York Post website, covering a range of topics from a police mistake at an Applebee's to celebrity news in the page 6 section. A video headline discusses what USMNT star Tyler Adams could bring to Chelsea FC. The text also provides links to various sections of the New York Post website, its social media pages, subscription services, and legal information. 
Part 11. Fun. 1. ARPChat, text your friends on the same network using just ARP from github.com. The article discusses a GitHub project called ARPChat created by a user named Cognize. The project, built in two days, is a chat application that uses address resolution protocol, ARP, to communicate with other computers on the same network. The project has received 1.9k stars and has been forked 38 times. The project allows users to send long messages and includes features like join and leave notifications, a presence discovery and heartbeat system. The project has been tested on the latest unstable version of Rust, a programming language. The article provides instructions on how to install and build the project, and also includes a link to a separate article for more technical details on how the project works. 2. LEGO's new $200 Concorde is a fantastic homage to the supersonic passenger jet from TheVerge.com. The Verge has published an article about the new LEGO Icons Concorde set, a detailed model of the iconic supersonic Concorde passenger jet. The set, priced at $200, features intricate details such as a mechanism to raise and lower the landing gear and a droop nose that can be manually lowered. Despite not being able to fit LEGO minifigures, the set includes a microscale look at seating and toilets. The set, consisting of 2,038 pieces, will be available for sale on September 4th for LEGO VIPs and on September 7th for everyone else. The release of the set is timely, considering the recent interest in supersonic planes. The article also features images of the model and other LEGO-related articles. The Verge offers a sign-up option for Verge deals and provides links to various site policies and information. 3. 360 degrees tour of a Dutch windmill from Kola.co. This link leads to a virtual tour of the attics of De Spielman Mill in Rotterdam Overschie, hosted on Kola, a popular platform for creating and sharing 360 degrees virtual tours. The tour provides a unique, immersive experience, allowing users to explore the mill's attics in detail from the comfort of their own homes. The tour is a part of Kola's extensive collection of virtual tours, which are used widely in industries such as real estate and architecture. The platform offers a comprehensive toolset for creating world-class virtual tours, making it a go-to resource for businesses looking to showcase their spaces in an engaging, interactive way. The significance of this tour lies in its ability to bring a piece of Rotterdam's history to life in a novel, accessible format. It's a testament to how technology can be used to preserve and share cultural heritage, opening up new avenues for exploration and learning. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to HackerCast.